0: Guess who's Bazak? You've tuned in to another episode of the Page Turner's Podcast with your host, Elgin Bailey Each Season. We walk through a particular text to unpack, critique, criticize, and apply what we find in those particular texts. This is season four of the Page Turns Podcast. This season I have chosen The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power by Dr. Jared A. Ball. A phenomenal text that debunks, eradicates, destroys the myth of black buying power. One of the things that is continually, uh, intentionally, and continuously pushed on black America is that we have this 1.8 trillion dollars in buying power. But what that myth has done is led so many of us to believe that we have 1.8 trillion dollars in actual money. So the reason why we are in the current financial state, the current state that we are across this country specifically is because we have essentially mismanaged our finances. We've had piss poor um, financial literacy. Uh, as many would say, we spend too much time buying iPhones and J's and you know I don't know if folks are wearing to weave and shit like that anymore but it's this notion that somehow or another we are not doing what we supposed to do because there's 1.8 trillion dollars out there this is episode number three uh, and man let me tell you uh, we are getting into the nitty gritty of this um uh, this myth, you want to go back and listen to previous episodes, you want to go cop the book at and get yourself a copy, follow along, subscribe, share this particular podcast, and then head on over to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash page turners and 50% of all of what we receive via Patreon will go to Page Turner's giveaways. Okay, that's enough of me talking. I tend to like to do these uh, particular episodes, man, 30 to 40 minutes. And y'all motherfuckers don't want to hear me talk for the first five minutes. So, let's dig in. We are in, currently in chapter two. Chapter two. And I read, It is perhaps this underlying sense of powerlessness which assists the effectiveness of the messaging which encourages a hope or sense of real power in the most a apolitical, unthreatening activity consuming. But the meaning of power is perversely distorted by the myth. Helped by the reporting of this issue, many mistakenly take power in the phrase buying power, to mean something which resembles a form of real social, political, or even economic strength. With comparisons to other nations, repetitious display of headlines touting enormous sums like one plus trillion dollars, with carefully constructive narratives which suggest true collective life change can occur if only these sums were more intelligently put to use. The idea for many becomes that buying power is something that it is not. And that's that one line, man. Let me let me dip back a little bit because I want to unpack that just a little bit. But the meaning of power is perversely distorted by the myth. And here's the key that I want y'all to really pick up on. Helped by the reporting of this issue, who's reporting it? We're going to get to that in a little bit you may be surprised you may not be surprised helped by the reporting of this issue many mistakenly take power in the phrase buying power that that phrase buying power actually means something and it means nothing family and i read power in the phrase sorry my apologies power in the phrase Buying power is not what economists consider when assessing the economic health of a group or country. So they don't look at buying power to say, oh, shit, these motherfuckers got money. Or, oh, man, this is how you measure the wealth of a community, group or country. That's not what economists do. Economists don't do that. And I read buying power is not wealth. It cannot be vested at will and used to create more for its investors. Buying power is not stocks, bonds, or land. It's not even real estate. It cannot be built upon, renovated, or flipped. Buying power is not income. It is not earned or exchanged for labor, and it cannot be spent at will or used to pay one bill versus another. Buying power has its origins in government labor statistics, meant to help assess where wages should be sent relative to inflation, but is now, today, mostly a phrase created and propagated by who? Marketers. In an attempt to assist the business community govern its advertising revenue, power in the phrase buying power strictly means the power consumers have to buy one available product over another. But put another way, power in the phrase buying power means only the power to generate wealth for one corporation or another. What? Buying power has its origins in government labor statistics meant to help assess where wages should be sent relative to inflation, but it's now. So buying power, he's telling us right here what buying power is and isn't. (laughs) It's not money. You can't use it to pay for shit. You can't use it to pay bills. It's not real estate. It's not stocks. It's not bonds. It is literally a statistic used by the business community to govern its advertising revenue. But these folks out here will get you to believe and think that we have this actual tangible money and i read the studies from which most national discussion of buying power come are to be credited for being clear that their reports do not in any way relate to what most think of as a genuine economic strength they do point out that their work is not an assessment of wealth, income, ownership, and so on. They're true indicators of economic strength. So the folks who put these studies out about buying power, they are clear on what it is and what it isn't. In no way, shape, or form are they saying that it is an assessment of wealth, income, and ownership. So the question is, family, who is saying that? If the people who are doing the Buying Power Studies, and we see why they're doing the Buying Power Studies, they're doing the Buying Power Studies to assist the business community in governing its advertising revenue. The people who do the study are saying they do point out that their work is not an assessment of wealth, income, ownership, and so on, the true indicators of economic, so who has begun to say that it is this? Where did this myth get cultivated? How was this myth put together? Hm. and I read where the report's authors fall shor- most short is in clarifying the methods used to reach their conclusions and in clarifying in the press which carries those conclusions that these are not statements on actual economic conditions. It is primarily, primarily through the practice of popular journalism and commentary that allows the word power in the phrase buying power to lose all meaning. The term power is redefined to mean shopping, but works to confuse potentially powerful communities and energies into what advertisers want most which are consumers whose acts of generating wealth for others is magically redefined into a concept of individual and collective political, economic, or social power. And I read, The ability to turn the concept of power into a simple act of consuming what others own and produce is what makes the issue of buying power one of more propaganda than one of economics. Beginning in 2009, I began producing commentaries and subsequent research attempting to trace the origins of the concept of buying power and its popular dissemination in effort to reconcile previously described inconsistencies between economic realities and the insistent claim that there lies dormant this currently incapacitated economic giant of buying power strength. What follows expands upon 10 years of tracking various reporting of buying power and related economic studies in an effort to identify the process by which the myth is developed, disseminated, and to estimate its impact. What I have found is that today, black buying power claims emerge from surveys of black consumers conducted by media monitoring group Nelson, and often without attribution from the more dominant source, the Selig Center for Economic Study, based in the Terry Business School within the Bank of America building in Athens, Georgia. So hold on. <laughs> the buying power number comes from surveys of black consumers conducted by who? A media monitoring group, Nielsen. And you'll see, you'll remember that, the Nielsen ratings. They were responsible for rating different TV shows. But the one source, the Sillick Center for Economic Study, based in the Terry Business School within the Bank of America building, is where all these numbers come from. There's not another source out there for this data. In each case, I'm sorry, and I read, in each case, both Nielsen and SILIC make clear that buying power is not a measure of economic strength, and that it is a phrase meant to help the business community address itself to potential consumers. And in each case, both the numbers of Nielsen and SILIC are popularly misinterpreted poorly developed in their initial design, and then even more poorly reported by conventional presses and media. What magnifies the impact of buying power claims is that they are largely promoted and even the product of a black commercial press who would transform their original concept into one designed to specifically target black audiences, beginning with John H. Johnson, and carried throughout the black commercial media to today via the National Newspaper Association, Target Marketing News, through popular journalists, academics, and media personalities such as Tavis Smiley, Tom Joyner, and also traditional civil rights organizations, including the Urban League and the NAACP. The myth has been propagated for two primary reasons and this is important family. This is very important. The myth has been propagated for two primary reasons. The first, less known and garnering far less attention in the overall conversation is that buying power is used as a means to attract advertising revenue by convincing white corporations of the potential in the black consumer. So Roland Martin you'll see if you go to his website at the bottom of his website he posts this 1.8 trillion dollars in black buying power statement you can find it on his website but if you also been paying attention here lately you'll see that Roland and others are up in arms and i think some are even attempting to sue companies because These white corporations are not advertising with them. So, Dr. Ball says two primary reasons. The first is less known and garnering far less attention in the overall conversation is that buying power is used as a means to attract advertising revenue by convincing white corporations of the potential in black consumers. Roland Martin, what is he doing? he's doing that exact same thing this exact thing right here he's up in arms trying to attract advertising revenue from white corporations on behalf of potential black consumers listen man this paragraph right here is extraordinary and extraordinarily important he's highlighting here Who is responsible for propagating and pushing this myth? myth? A black commercial press who would transform the original concept into one designed to specifically target black audiences. You understand? Listen, it's very, very important. Let's go to the second reason. Wow, The second reason and I read, the second reason for so heavily propagating the myth far more popular and far more mythological is a means of collective uplift or empowerment. Buying power largely then becomes a way for contemporary leadership or punditry to rebrand particularly and more conservative traditions of black political struggle Absent meaningful examination of the histories of these claims, their shortcomings, or criticisms. I'm gonna read that again because I want I, it's important, man. Particularly if you ain't got Dr. Ball's book in your hand, it's important for you to understand and grasp this point. He gave two reasons. This is the second reason the second reason for so heavily propagating the myth far more popular and far more mythological is as a means of collective uplift or empowerment. Buying power largely then becomes a way for contemporary leadership or punditry to rebrand particular and more conservative traditions. So they use the buying power and entrepreneurship as a method to take away, squelch, and piss on the black political struggle because if they can get us focused on trying to get the bag we won't be trying to change actual policy we won't be trying to build actual organizations and power if we're focused on getting the bag and guess what both of these myths or both of these reasons rather have been highly successful Highly successful. Highly successful, man. Okay. And I read traditions of black political struggle, which are most heavenly promoted, are those for which commercial press have traditional political and economic preference, Trad- traditions which favor entrepreneurial or business elements of black politics. Routinely in these presses, black buying power will be brought into discussions where allusions are made to moments in history when black business seemed on the rise or more well-valued as part of the struggles for freedom. This was the case recently when black buying power was raised in defense of reparations where it was argued that instead of cash, black people need another black Wall Street. Me. In a piece titled, Hashtag Buy Black, reinforces efforts from civil rights. A defense of the Hashtag buy Black campaign, the myth of black buying power was mentioned with an allusion to traditions of black political struggle, which emphasized more conservative notions of self-help, black business, and black capitalism. <laughs> the idea of black capitalism goes back many decades according to an NPR report which cited civil rights activist Booker T. Washington and Marcus Garvey advocacy for African Americans to create and do business with their own to build wealth in their community. Focus on Garvey and Washington as doing business with their own and as engaging in black capitalism is in part routine and results from a bias rampant within commercial presses and media. Promoting entrepreneurial pathways to freedom works well for business class propagating those ideas in their commercial media as a method of generating revenue from advertising purchased by white corporations. Many black political luminaries and aspirants have engaged in forms of black capitalism. What Afari described as economic nationalism and many have then and still promoted black buying power as, <laughs> as having value in advancing the plight of black people. Before even the first government report to include the development of buying power as cost of living studies in 1904, the concept had already evolved within black political and business circles. In 1897, for instance, the world's first black woman law professor, Ludie L. Little, was already describing racism's ability to to denigrate black buying power and credit, degrade black buying power and credit, as she and many others would seek to expand black enterprise into black consumer spaces previously abandoned by whites. And by 1900, Booker T. Washington had established the National Negro Business League to help fill that void. The NNBL and Washington worked explicitly within the logic that black business was key to black collective improvement and his elevation to prominence helped, to this day, to promote the same. As a result of those lesser known little and those most prominent still like Washington, the business enterprise approach to black struggle, and in particular incorporation of the concept of buying power, would soon dominate black political discourse. Mm-mm-mm. By the end of World War One, two clear variants of how to achieve an independent black economic nation dominated the historiography. The first focused on African American business development and entrepreneurial leadership and the second on leveraging African American consumer buying power and grassroots leadership. In practice, however, the two strains often overlapped. People spent their money and participated in the separate group economy in ways that crossed such intellectual categories. Wowzer. By 1925, Marcus Garvey was promoting the concept of black buying power within his Universal Negro Improvement Association and Negro World Newspapers, even chastising rival W.E.B. Du Bois for belating Realizing that the buying power of the Negro is the most tremendous force within his reach today. And that, oh man, that thought process is still so heavy. Goodness gracious. By 1932, economist Paul K. Edwards published The Southern Urban Negro as a Consumer, which offered the first scholarly research that focused on minority consumers, a groundbreaking and detailed analysis of black consumer habits marketing trends and the negative attitudes of many black consumers towards white advertising and it would be immediately put to use in service of white business interests and set in motion a relationship between black consumer marketing materials, black political and social movements, and white commercial interests. Damn it. Using Edward's work as an As its inspiration, the white advertising firm W.B. Ziff & Company published The Negro Market in 1932 and devoted an entire rate book to the subject, The Negro Field, in 1934. Beginning in the 1920s, advertising executive William Ziff worked closely with major African-American newspapers. He also encouraged white-owned companies to capitalize on Negro buying power and to increase their value of advertising in the African-American press. You you beginning to see it, fam? And I read, But it is the reduction of the black political struggles to variations of capitalist endeavor which further impose limitations on understanding these histories, their shortcomings, and on ideas of what can still yet be done. Commercial interests, black and white, have from the start become infused into, and even dominant, the full range of black political consciousness. And as a heavily promoted product of those commercial interests, buying power as a concept has come to play a particularly powerful role in black politics in inhibiting a better understanding of capitalism or the promise it offers as a solution. Before engaging more meaningfully the contradiction of capitalism and enterprise as a collective solve, there will need to be a confrontation or a reckoning with heavily promoted mythologies such as this one, an idea promoted for decades by a business and marketing class, but taken by so many as progressive, even militant, radical, and activist tactic. Again, Ofari remains correct. The lesson is that no matter how large or well-organized a black political or social movement becomes, those involved must be equipped with a proper understanding of the American economic economic order. Unless they are, they will never use the correct approach in determining methods for the struggle against the conditions of corporate capitalism, which are impoverishing black Americans. (sighs) Man. And I read difficulty in learning this lesson extends largely from the fact that the struggle to understand the American economic order, which never mind, just buying power, is exacerbated by particular historical context and media environment. New media technologies such as smartphone and tablets, along with websites, personal web video channels, and the existence of various social media outlets, often confuse the issue, but it remains that our media environment is one largely constructed and run by the most elite corporations and private equity groups the world has ever seen. Internet media are still delivered by a handful of corporate owners, and these owners are themselves largely, directly, or indirectly. Man via interlocking boards of directors, politics, race, gender, and class bias, linked assuring that what we see, read, and hear, even in the new media age in which we find ourselves, is carefully manicured. The choreographed nature of that media leave room for debate perhaps in the realm of impact, but not all in intent. In fact, propaganda a process of persuasion, it is a value neutral, it is the intention behind propaganda that demands scrutiny, and is that intention which begs value judgments, not propaganda itself. Jesus Man, we learned a lot in this joint, didn't we? Think of some of the things that you learned. The economists, Nielsen and the Selig Center, clearly state that this is not actual wealth. But black (laughs) media folk, black... And in no way, shape, or form, I'm trying to blame black folks from this. But I want us to see how we are propagating this myth. This is one to go back and listen to more than once, family. This is your boy, Big L, with another episode of the Page Turners podcast. Season 4, The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. Don't forget to go and like and share, man, and become a member of the Patreon, man, so we can be giving these, begin giving these books out. I appreciate everybody for tuning in, man. Till next time, I'm out.